You're listening to The Last Word on Hockey with Jim Berenger on Northeast Streaming Sports. everybody it's wednesday night you know what that means that's from my other show later on but welcome back to the last word on hockey season two episode 6.5 midweek edition here on a mad radio network also streaming live on northeast streaming sports i'm joined once again by my good buddy arman klistovich of the puck authority welcome back buddy how we doing tonight Good, a lot to talk about. It's been a busy uh, couple days. Lots to talk about indeed, including the big news of the day. Montreal Canadiens relieving head coach Claude Julien and associate coach Kurt Muller of their duties, replacing them with interim coach Dominique Ducharme and adding Alex Bur- Alexander Burroughs to their staff. Interesting move there. Um, what are your initial thoughts on this move? You know, I think the the Julian move was kind of you know as a Habs fan, you kind of saw it coming. Um, you know, they 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 haven't been playing well recently. Um, you know, they had they they had a, a couple bad stretches last year. Um, you know, with Kirk Muller, the the power play has really been an issue the the past uh, year and a half. Um, so I think bringing in the guy like Alex Bros. Who I believe is coming de- coming up from Laval, um, inhaling power play. Who handled the power play there should help get things back on track. But I think you know, just a new, a new face uh, behind the bench, Montreal will hopefully write the chi- write the ship. I mean, yeah, and it's and it's interesting because like they lost again to the Ottawa Senators. They've lost three and four, two to the Senators. They've lost three to the Senators this season. It seems the Sens get up for the Leafs and the Canadians, and a team that. Everyone pegged to win the division about two weeks ago, looking good, matching Toronto, really struggling. Is it all on a coach, though? I mean, you look at the pl- certain guys on that team and starts in between the pipes, Mr. Carey Price not playing well. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not he's not his typical Carey Price, but you also have to look. Look at this. You're, you're, Montreal gave up, what, almost 40 shots to – to a, a team to the bottom of the of the, of the division. I mean, it, it's not all on price there. You know, he made some great saves. You know, once later in the game to keep him in, and which allowed the Canadians to come back. But you know, Jake Allen's played well. You know, and 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 Price will find his game. You know, and I think you also got to look at guys like Philip Deneau, who haven't scored in a while. You know, Jesper Kakkanemi hasn't done much. So I I think you know it, it's it's a whole it's a whole team effort. And I think you know. They, they needed a new face, and, you know, when you lose three times to the worst team in the league, you know, may, you know, maybe it's not a chemistry thing. Maybe it's a coach thing. Well, I mean, you think about it, though. Look at last year. I mean, Canadians couldn't beat the Red Wings, and somehow they got into the return to play Stanley Cup playoffs, and they found their, you know, they found their groove again against Pittsburgh, and they, and they almost knocked off Philadelphia, and it seemed like they had turned things around. They looked really good to start the year. And, you know, it's funny listening to, like, TSN radio and all this stuff. You start to hear the whispers of it. 
But I really didn't think this it was going to happen this quickly because, to be honest, I mean, I guess things have been leaning this way. But what happens if the goal that Gallagher scored gets held up and not overturned? Are we just pushing off the inevitable? I think you... I, I think you are. I think you're re- regardless, Julian's on the hot seat, uh, even if Canadians wouldn't do in that game. You know, also, l- look at the shootout. You know, the I think it's a very questionable move is your fort where your first shooter is going to be Corey Perry. When you look at a Ross, the roster that the Canadians have, you know, why why Corey Perry to lead things off is, is, is my question. It's, I think, you know, I think everything kind of, you know, the domino effect. So I think you know it was coming, and you know maybe uh, sooner than people expected. But uh, I didn't. Th- I didn't think Julian was going to make it through the season. Yeah, I mean it's kind of interesting. I agree with that. Maybe like they're going off analytics, statistics, saying Perry's got a good shootout record. But when you bring in guys like Tyler Toffoli, Josh Anderson, and you have those guys on the team, and Toffoli scored a nice goal in the game, you're wondering why he's not starting a shootout off. Definitely move. I mean, I don't know. if I mean, obviously, it is Montreal, so anything gets magnified like by 10. But uh, I've been reading a little bit here and there. I mean, I want to get your thoughts. Some people call it a panic move. Do you think, think, do you agree with that? Because to me, it feels like one because maybe you ride it out, but how in a short season, you can't let it go too much longer, right? Yeah, there, there, there is that. And, you know, like I said, look at the. Canadians history, you know, like you said, you know, we, we snuck into the playoffs last year, but Mark Burge even touched on this last year. You know, we had an eight-game losing streak last year, and, you know, the Canadians haven't – we started off well, and then we've gotten onto this slide, and we haven't been able to pick ourselves up. And the question is, you know, I think I think the team needed a shakeup. You know, I think, like I said, the, the Muller was, was bound to be gone because that power – Probably has been abysmal the last two and a half years. And when you got the, the guys like Nick Suzuki, like, like a Shea Weber, you know, like a Thomas Tatar, like a Brendan Gallagher, you expect this power play to at least be somewhat decent and not, you know, the way they've been playing is, you know, they can barely set up on the power play. You know, they, you know when you look at the their power play, you ask them, is this really a power play? When you look at some of the power plays last, last night, Ottawa had possession for at least half of them. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like we said, the history of this team, losing the bad teams. You lost four times to the worst team in the league last year. You already lost three times to one of the worst teams in the league this year. When is it Mark Bergevin's time to be on a hot seat? Because this is his third coach now as general manager. Usually you only get one, and then you get a second one, and then you're gone. I understand what he did in the offseason, season. But is Mark Bergevin on the hot seat? You know, I we've been, you know, there's been rumors about that every offseason. But, you know, I think he did a lot this offseason to, re, to really strengthen the team. He brought in a guy like Joel Edmondson to solidify, you know, the, the, the top six. You know, you got a lot, a lot of young guys. Jake Evans, um, his first point last night, you know, Victor Mete, who who's struggling getting into the lineup, but he could be a solid, you know, seven or eight kind of guy. You know, I I like where this team is heading. I mean, look at the Tavoli move. You know, that that's a move that's paid off. The, the Paul Byron move. You know, it didn't look 
wasn't looking great. You know, they wave him his next game. He, he scores a goal. You know, so I don't think it's Mark Bridgman. I think I think right now it's one of his best seasons. You know, when you look at look at the the, the team that he's constructed this year. All right, that's fair enough. Yeah, because you know, eventually, you know, eventually they're gonna have to. The owner's gonna be wondering, you know, what what do I have to do here? Speaking of which, and this is a, like a big debate today that's been going on, and and I compare it and hear the comparison out. So in college football, Notre Dame, everybody like you're a Notre Dame fan or you're not, right? But the problem with Notre Dame is they can't win the big one. Why? Because they don't do they have the right guys? Are their standards too high because they they want guys to be academically well? Sometimes you had the bottom feed. We know what the standard is for the coach. They gotta be francophone. Gotta learn. You gotta speak the language. Is that holding this team back from winning? I don't think so. I, you know, I've heard a lot of debate about it, and you know, I think I think it's a little bit blown up. You know. Yes, you're in Montreal. Yes, you're obviously going to want somebody who's French-speaking. But, you know, I, I don't think that's the issue. You know, I came into this year and, you know, I said, hey, you know, look at this team. You know, it's one of the better all-around teams that we've had in a while. You know, and let's be honest, last year was supposed to be a complete rebuilding year for Montreal. They weren't supposed to go anywhere. We were supposed to see a lot of time from our younger guys, Victor Mete, you know, Jake Evans, Ryan Poling. You know, we were expected to see guys like that. And we exceeded those expectations, and we somehow snuck into the playoffs. So I think you got to look at where where we were last year and be like, well, we snuck our way into the playoffs last year. You know, and Claude Julian must have done something right last year in the playoffs. You know, I think, you know, yes, he had that heart condition that, that he left, you know, left the bubble. But I still think that it's not the coaches' fault. I still think that with a new guy, you know, like a guy like you, Charmaine, I really think that this team is going to turn it around the next week or two. Yeah, I mean, and Dominic Ducharme, his first, his first um, crack at being an NHL head coach, he is the coach for the remainder of the season for the Montreal Canadiens, and he has a connection to the University of Vermont, which we'll talk about their, the hockey team later on. But um, he was on those teams with uh, Martin Saint-Louis, uh, back in the day when they were win- and they were going to the final uh, Frozen Four, but you know his first crack at it. You got a guy like Alex Burroughs coming up, so hopefully you're building the right way. I know there was some talk. You know I've, I've been listening to some radio. Apparently, maybe some people want Gerard Gallant to come in, but I see him more. I see him pegged as the next guy in Seattle, or the guy. In yeah, Seattle, I just I, I don't see Gallant coming back for. I, I just doesn't make sense, you know, why being the guy that you fired again, Yeah. you know, especially coming off yeah. of a guy that you just, coming off a coach that you just fired, you know, I think, I think this is a real test for Ducharme and Burroughs. I think if Ducharme is able to prove himself and get this team back to where they should be, I wouldn't be surprised if they offer him a job heading into next year. But I think, I think this is really going to be a test for him. And then, one season ends, I think Montreal's going to have a big decision to make. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. So, I mean, look, this was the big news of the day in Montreal. I mean, at, at nonstop, you know, you know when stuff happens in Montreal and Toronto, it seems like the world stops. And it <laughs> did because everybody was talking about it. It's the, all they want to talk about. And, you know, 
they're going to get a test tomorrow night when they play against the Winnipeg Jets. And the Jets are playing really well right now. Pierre-Luc Dubois coming off that injury that settled in two goals. I mean, Winnipeg's sleeper in that division. And, you know, right now they're ahead of Montreal. Obviously, Montreal had those days off. But Edmonton's starting to play better. Winnipeg playing better. Calgary's there. So it's going to be a fight now for the Canadians. Because considering a couple weeks ago, I've already pegged them to be the top team in the division. Well, I think, you know, let's look at the price right here. We don't have to play Ottawa for another week and a half, I believe. So, I mean, we've, we've got, we've got that going for us. So, you know, I think, I think this, this little West coast string, West coast swing is going to be, you know, time for the team to get away from Montreal. Um, You know, get that team chemistry back and hopefully be able to pick up a win or two and, you know, come back and, you know, figure out what they need to do. Yeah. I mean, are they uh, are they playing the Vancouver Canucks at all? Because I know Tyler Defoe likes to play that old that team. I believe we're not playing them this week. I believe we are playing them next week. So that hey, that's but it has it has been nice to see Defoe get on the board against some other teams. Um, you know, in the last in the last few days, you know, I I look at this. I was talking about guys who you know. Have played well for the Canadians um, throughout the season, and you know I, I wrote my article and I pegged Nick Suzuki as as a superstar. I would say Tyler Toffoli, but it's just hard to to say that when you've got a guy who's got you know at the time he had eight goal nine goals and eight of them were against his former team. The yeah, uh, the question is what, what can he do against everybody else? And you know it was nice to see him get a goal last night against Ottawa. Yeah, I know he's definitely been a good signing, Josh Anderson. Looks good, fits right in. But like you said, the key's been Edmondson back there and the defense settling everything down. Um, you know, a lot of debate about, like, if could Julian adapt. But we'll see. You know, like I said, maybe it's a good thing. Get away from for a little bit. Get on the road. Get away from Montreal. Get it together. Bond a little bit. And then refocus and, and come out with a good game uh, against Winnipeg and get back on, on the winning track for sure. Uh, other news. Um, not today, but it happened last week. Been trying to do this for a little bit here. Uh, ECHL news, some big news. Um, Armand, can you fill in the listeners on the big news? Yeah, it was a very last week was a very busy week for our ECHL department. Um, you know, we were all, you know, basically pretty quiet, and this news just basically came out of nowhere. So, um, uh, I guess we'll start with the biggest news, and that's, um, the Brampton Beast announcing that they will be folding at the end of the 2020-21 season. Uh, you know, this had been this was always talked about in the off season for the last few years. Um, talking with Kyle, Kyle Drennan, our, our Brampton Beast writer, um, but you know, it, the whole idea was from from what I've been hearing is, hey, all the teams are safe. You know, everybody is going to be planning on coming back next season. And I guess, you know, and, I, and what I find funny is, you know, a couple of weeks before, Brampton just signed a, a, a partnership with the Toronto Six. So the question here is, did they dump whatever money they had left into the Six? Uh, but that's that's the only way I was talking to Justin about it. And that's the only thing we could we could we could think of. That's kind of crazy that they did that, but good for supporting women's hockey. But. 
that's kind of a blow. They've been around in the ECHL for a long time, and a lot of players that play that are in the National Hockey League have gone through Brampton and played there. And it's a tough blow to lose one of those teams, right? Yeah, it, it, it's it's a huge blow. Um, you know, I guess you know, stand you know for divisional wise, it, it's really not going to be huge on the North Division because you have Juarez who's going to come in and probably just fill that last spot that Brampton had. Um, and keep a division of, of of six teams. So, you know, it, it's and you know, you also, you know, you lose one team, but you're adding two more teams next year. So, it, it, the ACHL just got to take us as as a win, right? So, and you mentioned that new team that's coming in. Are they? And then they're they're the Canadians affiliate. Is that correct? Yes, Trois Um, I believe it was a. Uh, it was they signed a multi year agreement with the Canadians to be their ECHL affiliate. Um, now the question I have here is, does Ottawa try to hop on board there and split affiliates now that they don't have their Brampton, uh, club now? So I think, I think it's going to be a very fun off season and, you know, it's going to be fun to see what Ottawa does next season. uh, If it's not, you know, just to, you know, do what Adirondack does and some teams do is just spread them out all across the league or if they decide to, you know, keep them closer and try to make it a, a deal with Montreal. Yeah, that's true. They, they, they could do that. I mean, but it's good to see more teams coming into the league. And obviously, it's uh, as we've talked earlier on um, pr- prior in 2020, but not here in 2020, the league, it's not the same this year. Obviously, the pandemic, the, I'm, I'm going to guess the pandemic played a role in Brampton um, deciding to just fold and, and go away. I got to imagine that, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they've they've had money problems, like I mentioned before, that uh, for the past few seasons. So I think the pandemic really was the final blow here. But you know, you got a, a, another team coming to uh, the Atlanta area soon. You know, you got a team coming to Iowa. You got a team coming to Trois-Rivières. So you know, the the ECHL is really starting to expand. You know, even with these COVID times, you know, it's nice to see, you know, three expansion teams with two of them starting next year, you know, get the ball rolling. That's good. I mean, and obviously, you know, the, the some of the divisions didn't play this year and the times are all crazy. Um, how's the league doing so far right now? I mean, I know the start times have been crazy. Some teams have played, some teams haven't played. How's it been? Has there been stoppages because of COVID like we've seen in the NHL or they've been able to avoid it? So there have been, there have been a few postponements, not as much as the NHL. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, there's a lot of guys, you know, going on what they like to call their commissioner exempt list. Um, But we're seeing a lot less of that uh, in the past month, month and a half. So I think the ECHL has really figured out what works and, and they're going to, they haven't had any issues, any huge issues recently, knock on wood, but they, they are, they seem to have figured it out and they are rocking and rolling. That's good. Um, where, where do they stand? Because I know it's not like when you look at the NHL, I mean, I know NHL standing, some teams are behind because of stuff, but has everybody officially started? Everybody who, who um, opted in, to the season that has started. Um, Fort Wayne, who is the last team who um, got a, the latest start uh, in February, they've recently got their first game, first few games in. Um, 
And from what I have here, the ECHL um, announced that they do have a start date for next season. They will be starting um, on October 22nd, which, you know, is about around the same time they would normally start. Normally it's, you know, beginning to mid-October. Um, so maybe an extra week or two here. But um, it, that, that, that was solidified um, in the mid-season meeting. Um, players that were that signed with other teams um, do their team opting out. Um, their rights will go back to their original team um, come the offseason. So a lot of those teams like Adirondack, like Brampton, you know, all, all, not, not Brampton, but, you know, a lot of those teams in the North Division and a lot of those teams who pulled out will be able to, you know, have that, try to get, you know, close to that same roster that they had planned for this year. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what guys decide to do because, you know, you spent a year here and maybe if your team's playing well and you're coming from a bad team, you know, what do you want to do? So it's it's going to be a very, very fun and exciting offseason. It's for definitely going to be interesting group. for sure because I know um, Nick Alberga put it out there that the, the NHL has been looking for dates for the mid-October. So – if the NHL starts mid-October of 2021, the ECHL and the AHL are not too far behind then. No, no, no. I think the the ECHL plans on getting, you know, on board. Um, I know uh, head coach of the Thunder, Alex Lowe, is having a press conference tomorrow noon. Um, my guess is that he's going to address everything from the mid-season um, board of governors meeting. Uh, the fans and maybe address where the Thunder stand. Um, so I'll be tuning into that. Anything that's big, obviously I'll I'll break it through my Twitter um, for 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 my for my viewers. But I'm not expecting anything big. Um, maybe just a, a recap. You know, hey, we're still planning on being back at the Cool and Sharing Arena in October, and you know that that's all we can hope. Did the uh, during the midseason report did they address? Um, fans coming back in the stands for the ECHL because I know that's a big thing for these minor league uh, hockey clubs because we see now in New Jersey, New York, 10% are allowed to come back to the arenas. We've seen at different NHL arenas. You're going to start to see a little bit here and there. Have they discussed or put in a plan yet about potentially having fans for next season? Because obviously right now, I don't know if they're talking about even for this season as well, but it, I would guess maybe, maybe – but most likely next season? From what I know, every ECHL team that is playing, I believe, I could be wrong here, but they do have fans in the stands to some to some capacity. Okay. It may only be 10%, some teams 25%, 35%, but everybody does have fans in the stands, which is nice Nice to see because, you know, they, they need, like we've talked before, Jim, you know, it's it's like a gate-driven league. Yeah. So being able to get, get those fans in, and with, COVID, with the vaccines working, and I think my, my my hope is that you know maybe come postseason they can up those numbers and try to get a little bit more revenue in, in the door. Well, maybe if that um, I was gonna say maybe they invest in that Johnson and Johnson they'll they'll be able to get that revenue with that with that new shot coming out. But uh, that's just the stock tip for the night on uh, the last word on hockey. We normally don't do that kind of stuff. But no, it's good to see the ECHL is healthy. Obviously, we know like we said some teams have not played. It's going to be interesting, like the team you cover, Adirondack. Did they discuss – because we know what the seven teams 
that didn't participate in the NHL did. Like they got an extra week of training camp before everybody else started. Will those teams that opted out have a similar fate? Are they going to be allowed to start training camp earlier? That way they can get back into shape better because a lot they are not, they're not playing and these teams are playing just so there's no competitive disadvantage. That hasn't been announced yet, but it's going to be very interesting because when you look at, when you talk about the Thunder, um, they have a few guys, um, their goaltender, Alex Akaropoulos just signed in which in, in, uh, in Wichita, you know, they got a few guys out playing for the Everblades and Mike Smatula um, signed down there. Mass, uh, Matt Salhaney went overseas. You know, so they've got a, a few guys who, who, who are playing. You know, um, Charlie Curdy's out in Rapid City. Um, Nick Hutchinson, I believe, is in Indy, if I'm correct. Um, so, you know, they've got guys who are playing. So, and I, it's, it's the same thing with other teams, you know. They have guys playing, so I think I think it's basically I think it's gonna everyone's gonna start at the same time, just because you have that mix of guys who signed to other teams, and, and you know it's not just a group of same group of guys that haven't skated. Gotcha, that makes sense. All right, so you know, each league does its own thing, um, but it'll be interesting because you know everybody likes that feeder system, ECHL, AHL, and obviously the Devils have that in Adirondack. They got it. They, they brought their team closer to uh, them this year. They're playing at practice center with the AHL team is in, uh, is in Newark. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what, what happens going forward in the ECHL. Any other, it's league? always been a crazy league, the ECHL. Yeah, always it's always to... crazy. Like these minor league, if you got to go out, I mean, I've been to a couple games. They're fun to watch. They're fun to go to. It's it's crazy hockey. Well, I think it's like an 18, 18 player roster. And I like looked at the first. I was like, wait, wait, what is this? Like, yeah, it's crazy. But uh, any other any other big news from the ECHL that we need to discuss tonight? Uh, yes, I will mark on the other few things that I had noted down here. Um, so one thing I think people are interested in. Um, this does go kind of for the, for the NHL as well. Um, players who are under NHL AHL contracts must play in at least five ECHL regular season games five games to be to be eligible for the Kelly Cup playoffs. So I'll be inter- interested to see how many teams take advantage of that. You know, to have that experience with AHL guys, maybe 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 not the AHL playoff ex- Calder Cup uh, experience, but that that Kelly Cup experience. Maybe it's something they could build on for next year in the AHL. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting to see. No, because we've seen it because you've seen guys. I've definitely seen it in the NHL level. Guys come in playing like playoffs someplace. Either it's college with the, with the, with going for the national title. You, you're playing in the Calder Cup or are you playing the Kelly Cup? You come up. That experience matters. So having that experience playing for something, it matters. So I definitely could see, I could definitely see that happening. A couple guys go down there for sure. Yeah, um, that's uh, that's basically the 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 big the gist e- of it. The gist of that's the news okay. from the ECHL. All right, we're gonna transition to college hockey. Here we're doing a lot tonight. I told you, jam packed, jam packed show. We didn't expect the Canadians news. We did not. I didn't expect it. At least no, I don't. I don't. No one did. Moving on to UVM hockey, women's hockey. They're back. I don't know if they're better than ever, but they're back. They are uh, back. They are back. They are back. 
but they're in the midst of a three-game losing streak. Is that correct? That is correct. But it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It is, but you know, one thing you gotta when you look at that three-game losing streak, you gotta look at those two games against the number two team in the country in Northeastern. You know, Irene Franklin is you know Frankel is out of this world. When you look at her numbers, it's just like video game numbers. I, if I am correct, this weekend versus UVM was the first time all season she had allowed goals in back-to-back games. Uh, I think at one point she had a six uh, six-game shutout streak going. Damn. I think her, Yo, I Brian think, Boucher, look out, Brian she Boucher, like, she's coming for. I you. think she's got a, a goal. Her goals against this year was like something like. 0.76 or something crazy like that, like a 980 save percentage. So, now, like, see, for me, like, when the Devils came back out of their COVID break and UVM had their break because you had texted me, they were supposed to play, they were supposed to play Boston University, I think, on like a Friday, right? They did. They they ended up winning that, that first game. Um, you know, I talked to Jim Plumer last week about that. He says, you know, I think it was, he, he believed there was momentum. That you know carried them into that first game, you know that got them, got them that win, and you know that they played. You know it was two. It was a very even matchup for them. You know against against BU. You know I think it was one of their their hardest tests of the year. And then you you come back the next weekend. You know um, and play a team like Northeastern. You know first time playing back to back in over a month. You know I think I I think that you know they've gotten their groove back. You know it's two weeks back in the gym, getting back to their their routine and you're playing a team like Maine who they haven't played in a while, you know, made a little, you know, on the standings record, they've played more games, but I, I really think that UVM is going to find themselves, you know, Theresa Schaffzel had a great weekend overall was, was at a ton of scoring chances. You know, Jesse McPherson still, you know, when you look at her numbers this year, you know, despite these two games, she, she's four and three, 1.57 goals against, 9.38 save percentage. That's, those are good um, numbers. And three shutouts. So you really, you really can't, you can't argue with those numbers. But the last time UVM and Maine played the playoffs, it went to triple overtime. So wow, that's crazy. It, it's gonna but, be a fun, it's gonna be a fun uh, Sunday afternoon. Do you think? Do you think covering this team the way you do? Do you think that break kind of hurt them, their momentum because they were playing well? And then no, they I think. Stopped. I think it did hurt them. I, I I think that they were hot and they were they were clicking on all cylinders, you know. And I was listening to, to the announcers for for um, Boston BU um, when I was watching the game. We said, you know, it, it's kind of like a second season. You know, you come back from a month break. So I I think you know we look at it. You know, UVM kind of had the same idea. You know, opening weekend they they won their first game, lost their second. But then they came back, and that's that next week, and they 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 swept, uh, I believe, with Holy Cross. But you know, Northeastern is, is is one of the best teams in the country, and, and no one can can argue can argue there. Green oh, Franklin is just ungodly good. You oh, know, yeah, Northeastern really good, really good program. Can't argue with that. You lose if I mean you lose to those teams, you can't cannot and, can't fault yourself there. I mean, Northeastern's the best team right now. And some news that I haven't released yet, um, but Irene Franklin of Frankel of uh, Northeastern will be using her extra year of eligibility next year. So um, Ooh, that's that's good. 
Uh, yeah, I was talking to Jessica. She was a candidate for a top, uh, if not the top pick in the NWHL draft this this upcoming offseason. But, um, you know, she's going to go back for an extra year. And it's just a, a move uh, and a decision for me that kind of confuses me is, you, you know, you've played so well in, you know, in Northeastern, you've won championships, you know, you have that ability to go out and, you know, play a bit on a bigger stage, you know, may, maybe it's school-wise. It's, it's, that's the one thing I can think of. You texted me something interesting in regards to the playoffs for this year. Can you tell the listeners yes, what that's be, about? Yeah, so it's going to be a single elimination playoff. Um, Mary Mac uh, pulled out, um, surprisingly, due to COVID. I mean, they were last in the conference, so I guess, you yeah, know, so, I mean, maybe. It's, it's like a Mighty Ducks. Who was it? Um, one team had the measles, so they forfeited the season. And so got maybe, COVID, uh, we're done. Maybe trying to cut their losses there. They said they said due to COVID-19 protocols, so um, maybe just trying to cut their losses there. Um, but, yeah, it, it should be a very, very fun Sunday afternoon uh, from Garrison Fieldhouse on, uh, on Sunday afternoon. I'm trying to get out of work early. Uh, so when, when, does, when did the signal elimination tournament start? They start on Friday. Um, UVM will play the um, Sunday afternoon game at two o'clock. And who do they play? Maine. Okay, so they play Maine in, in the first round in the single elimination tournament to determine the champ this year. Which is that's going to be interesting. That's going to be fun in itself. It is. It's going to be a lot of fun. Check this out. I mean, look, I'm going to have to find a way to stream it. I know I got a couple of buddies. College, uh, College Sports Live will have the UVM game. All right, that's good to know. I mean, there's a lot going on. On Sunday, in in regards to women's hockey, got and ESPN. Today. ESPN announced that they will be picking up the women's final four this year. So um, that's another that's another uh, move, another big step for women's hockey. Absolutely, I was just going to say PWHPA plays at Madison Square Garden this weekend, uh, televised on Sportsnet and NHL Network. So that'll be that's, that's huge. That's you know what? I gotta be honest. That, that this is huge for the PWHPA. You know, you get two ginormous venues. You know, a uh, 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 Madison Square Garden, and then you go you you go to Chicago with an all female broadcast crew. Like, you know, I think the PWHPA is really doing a great job. Yeah, I mean, so jam packed. You know, day Sunday women's hockey. Obviously, a lot going on. UVM. You now. You you were telling me you believe. They have a, a still a good shot to make a deep run despite recent struggles, correct? Yeah, I think I think I think what they need to do is they need to come out against me. They need they need they need to, to be the team that they were at the beginning of the year. They need they need to have Jeff McPherson play well. You know their their offense has been clicking. Their defense played very well this year. This this past weekend against Northeastern, so I expect that to continue. You know, and when you look at the team, there's a lot of people that haven't gotten on the board. Who, who Cindy Carjoin hasn't picked up a point this year. Uh, Natalie Malinkova, who's been touted as one of the best players in the country, one goal this year. You know, so there's a lot of players that need that are that are very close to breaking out, and this could be the week that they all break out. Yeah, it's going to be awesome 
to watch these games. It's going to be – this could be it. This is when stars are born, playoff time, playing for that national championship. That's what people play for, you know, because, you know, obviously everyone wants to reach the big leagues, find a league to play in. But, hey, next best thing, playing for national title. Gutterson Fieldhouse, it's going to be fun. It's going to be electric. It's a shame no, people can't be in a building for it, but yeah, that's the times we live in. Um but should be good. Uh, anything else you want to uh, tell the listeners before we wrap it up for tonight? Yes, I do. Um, the Pug Authority recently, just today, um, we launched our um, newsletter. Um, that will be coming out every Monday. Um, we had our test run this past Monday and everything went well. So that will be live. Um, you can sign up on our – if you go to our website, it should be at the bottom of the page – where you can sign up for that weekly newsletter. It basically gives you um, all the re- uh, everything that's come out, you know, what to look forward to in the next week. And it's just a great way to continue to grow our site, get to know more of our writers, you know, gets that gets their, gets another way to get their um, stories out, which I think, you know, our ECHL, you know, I gotta give a shout out here. We have, we've had two writers this year that have just absolutely blown my mind. Um, Haynes Evans, who covers the South Carolina Stingrays, and, and Reagan McCoy, who covers the uh, Indy Fuel. They both have really been two people who all year have just been, you know, writing the hell out of articles, and they've been great this year, and they're two fantastic writers that, you know, I'm really happy that I have on my team. That's awesome. That's good to hear. That's good. Big love the shout-outs. Give them to the love for the, the Puck Authority writers. Know some people over there. Justin does a heck of a job. Joe does good stuff, too. Um, yeah, Justin, Justin does, everybody Justin does good does work. You know, that's it. It's all about collaboration, having fun, enjoying what we do. Um, because you know, everybody just wants good coverage of hockey and it's a fun sport. And you know, ECHL needs the love too. And and you guys do a great job. I know Armand, you do kill it with that with that stuff. I see it all the time. Same with UVM women's articles, everything's going going really well. So I mean, look, thanks, buddy, for you know doing this again as always. I know we tried to get it. Last week, can't do it, but perfect night with the Canadians news. Crazy Claude Julian out as Canadians head coach, Kirk Muller. He's a good friend of mine. Know him pretty well. Good head, assistant head coach. He'll, both guys will find jobs somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, easily. Going to be interim coach to the end of the year. Alex Burrows, I'm interested to watch that game tomorrow night. And no, I think I think that's gonna be a real test for Montreal. I think Alex Burroughs is somebody who, 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 who can see that power play and be like, you know, this is what's going wrong. This is this is how we need to fix it. And that's and if you look at Montreal, that's been their biggest issue over the past few years is that power play. And you know, people always go, yeah, it's the goal thing, it's the defense. But you know, you really, you, I don't think enough talk about that that power play and how how lacking it's been the last few years. Hopefully I think I you really win it. games on special teams. It's true. You really do. Uh, I said it with the Devils. If you've listened to Raising Hell in Jersey with Joe and with Jake, we've talked about it. And Armand's back after he froze. Wait. Yep, I'm back. All right, cool. So you were saying special teams are important. Yeah, they are huge. And I think that's, that's, you know, I don't think people, you know, they don't look at that. They always look at, hey, it's Gary Price. Hey, it's our defense. Look at the power play. That's been our biggest struggle over the past two years, and I think that's that that's really holding the Canadians back. Yeah, like I said before, I've talked about it with the Devils. Their penalty killing is bad. Lane Nazardine, 
I don't know when his time is going to be up in New Jersey, but and their power play is not clicking, even with Mark Recchi there. Something's got to change. I talked with Joe about it and with Jake Wakely and Alex on Raising Hell in Jersey podcast. We talk about it all the time. I've written about it. The power play needs to be better. And it's across the board. Special teams win games. Look why the Caps are so well. Pittsburgh always dangerous. The good teams have their power play. The special teams rolling. Boston, just look at it. So if Montreal can figure this out, they'll get back on track. Still a lot of season left. It'll be interesting to see if Bergevin does anything because of quarantine issues with everything like that. But still a lot of season left. Hopefully... For the fans of the Canadians, things can get turned around and they'll be happy because if it doesn't, something else is going to have to change. Exactly. So uh, I, I guess now it's just, you know, re- hit the reset button, Montreal, you know. And just go from there. All right, everybody. My name is Jim Berenger. This has been Armand Klistovich. This has been the last word on hockey season two, episode six point. Five, Armand, thank you so much for coming on, doing this tonight. Always a fun time. Hopefully we do it down the road again. Yeah, not a problem. Glad to be aboard once again. Yep. All right, good night, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday night.